Hi. So we're going to resume stories of the prophets with I think this is the eighth prophet in line. And this is Yusuf al-Islam. The story of Yusuf al-Islam is a unique one among the stories of prophets in the Quran. Yusuf al-Islam is the son of Yaqub al-Islam, grandson of Ishaq al-Islam and the great grandson of Ibrahim al-Islam. The uniqueness of his story is that it is the only story of a prophet that is told in entirely a single surah in the Quran, in Surah Yusuf, which is chapter 12. This is the most detailed and fascinating story in the Quran, involving both human weaknesses such as jealousy, hatred, pride, passion, deception, intrigue, cruelty, and terror, as well as noble qualities such as patience, loyalty, bravery, nobility, and compassion. We learn about Yusuf al-Islam's joys, troubles, and sorrows, and move with him through the years of his life as he arms himself with pity and patience, and in the end, emerges victorious. Yusuf al-Islam is revered for his noble character and outstanding beauty, as stated by Prophet Muhammad He said, Yusuf and his mother were given half of all the beauty in the world. And this is from Tabari Hadith and narrated in Sahih Bukhari. When asked who is the most honorable in Allah's sight, Prophet Muhammad said, Yusuf, Allah's Prophet, the son of Allah's Prophet, the son of Allah's Prophet, and the son of Allah's Khalil, that is Ibrahim. Yusuf al-Islam was a young boy, handsome, happy, and very much loved by his father. He lived in the house with his younger brother, Binyamin, and ten older half-brothers. Quranic accounts make it clear that Yusuf al-Islam excelled his brothers as the sun outshines the stars, as might indeed be expected since he had been chosen by Allah for prophethood. It was his very excellence that gave his half-brothers cause for envy and enmity. It was clear to his brothers that he was dearer to their father than themselves. As a prophet, Yaqub al-Islam naturally recognized the excellence of Yusuf al-Islam's character and his spiritual gifts, and hence he cherished, cherished him like a treasure among his other sons. Now Allah describes the story of Yusuf al-Islam as the best of stories. Okay, The story of Yusuf al-Islam begins with a dream and ends with the dream's interpretation. Yusuf al-Islam relates his dream to his father. Oh my father, indeed I have seen in a dream eleven stars and the sun and the moon. I saw them prostrating towards me. Yaqub al-Islam listened attentively to his beloved son and his face shone with joy. For Yusuf al-Islam related a dream that spoke of the fulfillment of a prophecy. Yaqub al-Islam immediately grasped the meaning of his son's vision, that Yusuf al-Islam would be the one to carry the light of Allah's house. However, as quickly as the joy had sprung in Yaqub al-Islam's face, it vanished and he cautioned the innocent lad to keep what he had seen to himself. He said, O my son, do not relate your vision to your brothers or they will contrive against you a plan. Indeed, shaitan to man is a manifest enemy. These words suggested that Yaqub al-Islam had sufficient evidence of his son's enmity towards the young Yusuf al-Islam to make him concerned that they might scheme against him. The ten older brothers were already jealous of their younger brother. They, they recognized their father's particular affection for him. Yaqub al-Islam was a prophet, a man dedicated to submission to Allah 
and he treated his family and his community with fairness, respect and equitable love. However, his heart was drawn to the gentle qualities evident in his son Yusuf al-Islam. Yusuf's younger brother, Binyamin, at this stage of the story, was too young to be involved in any of the trickery and deception brewing. Yaqub al-Islam informed Yusuf al-Islam the meaning of what he had seen, clearly an auspicious future that was in store for his beloved son. It is mentioned in Quran, verse number 6 in Surah Yusuf, And thus will your Lord choose you and teach you the interpretation of narratives and complete his favor upon you and upon the family of Yaqub, as he completed it upon your fathers before, Abraham and Ishaq. Indeed, your Lord is knowing and wise. These words would serve as a reminder to Yusuf that no matter what difficulties he might face, all things are in the hands of the all-knowing, all-wise Lord, who is indeed the best of planners. Yusuf story inspires us with a feeling for the depth of Allah's power and supremacy and the execution of his rulings despite the challenge of human intervention. Yusuf al-Islam heeded his father's warning. He did not tell his brothers what he had seen. It is well known that they hated him so much that it was difficult for him to feel secure telling them what was in his heart and in his dreams. The brothers of Yusuf al-Islam did not like that he should become the only centre of their paternal love. The jealousy the brothers felt towards Yusuf al-Islam blinded their hearts, disoriented their thinking and made small things seem insurmountable, large things seem insignificant. They decided to get rid of him. One of them suggested that he should be put to death, but the others did not agree with him because it was a terrible thing. Then another brother proposed to throw him into a pit. All of them unanimously voted in favor of this scheme. It said in Quran, Kill Yusuf or cast him out to another land. The countenance of your father will then be only for you and you will be after that a righteous people. But one among the ten brothers was of a better nature. He suggested, do not kill Yusuf, but throw him into the bottom of the well. Some travellers will pick him up if you would do something. The other nine brothers agreed to his plan and laid the plot. They believed in their blindness that the absence of Yusuf al-Islam would remove him from their father's thoughts. Now, they approached Yaqub al-Islam with a plan to take Yusuf al-Islam into the desert with them on the pretext of letting him play and enjoy himself. Fear leapt into Yaqub al-Islam's heart. He suspected treachery and expressed his fear that a wolf would take Yusuf al-Islam. Yaqub al-Islam attempted to protect the son whom he loved so dearly. He said, Indeed, it saddens me that you should take him, and I fear that a wolf would eat him while you are of him unaware. The brothers protested falsely. If a wolf should eat him while we are a strong clan, indeed, we would be the losers. They said that, hey, we are ten of us, so a wolf couldn't eat him. Yaqub al-Islam was powerless to protect his beloved son indefinitely from his brother's evil or indeed from anything else with which his lord might see fit to test him. At the same time, Yusuf al-Islam's vision had made it clear that a very special future lay ahead of him. Because of this, Yaqub al-Islam possessed the assurance that no matter what troubles might befall Yusuf al-Islam during his life, he would reach the exalted rank that he had been promised through his vision. The final outcome arranged by his lord would be for the best. Even though separation and sorrow would now come upon him and his beloved Yusuf, nothing could destroy Yaqub al-Islam's certainty and trust in Allah's wisdom and mercy, and he surrendered himself inwardly to whatever the all-wise Lord might decree.
Shaitan works in subtle and deceitful ways, and with his words, Yaqub al-Islam unwittingly supplied his sons with the perfect reason for Yusuf al-Islam's disappearance. The brothers immediately knew they would blame Yusuf al-Islam's disappearance on a wolf, and this became part of their dastardly plan. Eventually, Yaqub al-Islam agreed, and the treacherous brothers took the unsuspecting Yusuf on their journey into the desert. As soon as they departed and went into a distance, they started swearing and abusing him. They humiliated him and threatened him. Then they agreed to throw him into the depth of a well. The brothers felt secure in their plan that a traveller would find Yusuf al-Islam and sell him into slavery. As Yusuf al-Islam called out in terror, the brothers took a small goat or sheep from their flock, slaughtered it and wiped the blood over one of Yusuf al-Islam's garments. Completely consumed by their jealousy, the brothers took an oath to keep their foul deed secret and walked away pleased with themselves. And they came to their father at night, weeping false tears. It was dark and Yaqub al-Islam was sitting in his house anxiously awaiting the return of Yusuf al-Islam. The sound of ten men crying confirmed his deepest fear. The darkness of the night was matched only by the darkness in their hearts. Their lies rolled easily from their tongues and Yaqub al-Islam's heart constricted in fear. O father, they cried, indeed we went racing and left Yusuf with our things and a wolf devoured him. Then observing Yaqub al-Islam disbelief, they added, But you would not believe us even if we were tr- truthful. And to convince that they were not lying, they produced his shirt with false blood upon it. We can only imagine Yaqub al-Islam's feeling at that point, his terrible anxiety over Yusuf al-Islam's unknown fate. Had his brothers then killed him so that this blood was really his? And at the same time, his horror at the naked evil that he saw so clearly within his sons. And although he was their father and a prophet, he had no power to deal with them. They were ten of them, acting as a body in their wickedness, entirely out of his control, impelled by the worst of all ill feelings, envy. Yaqub al-Islam had already understood and accepted that some calamity would befall his beloved son. He knew his sons were lying. It is said that they forgot to tear the cloth and said that the forgetfulness never lets a lie prosper. The signs of suspicion arose and so they could not convince their father about their claim. But what were his options? At the same time, there were Yusuf al-Islam's vision like a bright beacon of hope, assuring him that his dearest son would live to see a distinguished future. Yaqub al-Islam's trust in Allah did not waver. It said in Quran, Rather, your souls have enticed you to something. The noble prophet said to his sons, surrendering his will and purpose to his Lord. So patience is most fitting and Allah is the one sought for help against that which you describe. Alright, so that was the first part of the story of Yusuf al-Islam and we are moving on to see what happens to him. Meanwhile, the young Yusuf al-Islam remained in the bottom of the well. While terrified and shocked at his horrendous betrayal by his brothers and greatly pained for his father's grief, a divine revelation came to Yusuf al-Islam in the well. It said in Quran, You will surely inform them someday about this affair of theirs while they do not perceive your identity. Allah comforted him that he should not be frightened because there will soon be a relief and he will be out of that hardship. He will also tell his brothers about this action of theirs and he will at that time be a powerful person they need and they would not even realize that it is him they're talking to. Now it is reported that Yusuf al-Islam stayed in the well for three days and three nights. Then at a time decreed by Allah, 
there came a company of travellers in an Egyptian caravan. They sent their drawer of water to the well, and he let down his pail. Catching hold of the rope, Yusuf al-Islam was pulled out. The man called his companions to help him draw the child from the well, and all were amazed at the sight of this extraordinarily handsome boy. The treacherous brothers appeared and demanded payment for Yusuf al-Islam. They sold him for a small price, for a few dirhams, and they showed him regard for him. It is said that they followed behind him, saying to those who had bought him from them, Make sure he does not escape. That is, until they had safely reached Egypt with him. The men of the caravan took Yusuf al-Islam to Egypt, expecting to sell him for a handsome price. The slave markets of Egypt were teeming with people, some buying and some selling, others just watching the proceedings. The beautiful boy attracted many onlookers, and bidding for him was swift. He was finally bought by one who recognized his value, a man of power and prestige referred to in the Quran as Al-Aziz. It is said that he was a high-ranking official in charge of the Egyptian treasury. Yusuf al-Islam's master bought his newly acquitted slave boy to his home in Memphis, the capital city of Egypt. It said in Quran, Make his residence comfortable, he said to his wife. Perhaps he will benefit us or we will adopt him as a son. And Allah the Most High adds, and thus we established Yusuf in the land that we might teach him the interpretation of events. And Allah is pre predominant over his affair, but most of the people do not know. Now, the brothers of Yusuf al-Islam believed they had matters under control when they put their brother in the well. But in reality, the matter was out of their hands. Allah is the one in control of all affairs. Allah was decisive in his actions and his plan was carried out despite the treachery, jealousy and pride of others. Yusuf al-Islam found himself in the decision-making center of Egypt with a man who seemed kind and somehow aware of Yusuf al-Islam's special qualities. While longing for his father and younger brother, Yusuf al-Islam was well taken care of and lived in luxurious surroundings. Yusuf al-Islam grew into adulthood both physically and spiritually, trained and guided by his Lord, who said in the Quran, and when Yusuf al-Islam reached maturity, we gave him judgment and knowledge, and thus we reward the doers of good. Ibn Khatir described Yusuf al-Islam as obedient, polite, and exceedingly handsome. Prophet Muhammad also described Yusuf al-Islam and called him the embodiment of half of all beauty. As Yusuf al-Islam grew, Allah gave him wisdom and good judgment, and Minister Al-Aziz recognized these qualities in his loyal servant, and therefore put him in charge of all household affairs. Yusuf al-Islam's master, it is said, was not only childless, but may also have been impotent as well. Consequently, his wife, to whom tradition gives the name Zuleika, although most beautiful and desirable, remained a virgin. Disappointed in her husband, perhaps her eyes had been fixed for some time on the incredibly handsome youth who lived in her house. And one day, unable to contain herself any longer, she maneuvered Yusuf al-Islam into an empty room. Quickly, she closed doors. And it said in Quran, she said, Come, you. She ordered him as one orders a slave. And Yusuf al-Islam said, I seek refuge in Allah. Horrified. His first thought was of Al-Aziz, who had taken him in and treated him with honor and kindness. Indeed, he is my master, who has made good my residence. Indeed, wrongdoers will not succeed. 
Yusuf al-Islam drove any thoughts of sleeping with the wife of his master from his mind, sought refuge with Allah, and attempted to remove himself from the complicated situation. Perhaps Yusuf al-Islam had been resisting her advances for many years. A rich, beautiful woman from the highest clients of Egypt, Egyptian society would not stoop immediately to such behavior. Her beauty, status, and wealth meant that most men or boys would succumb to her desires easily. Yusuf al-Islam, however, was no ordinary man, and when he immediately turned to Allah for help, Allah rescued him. Yusuf al-Islam turned to flee from Zulaikha. Yusuf al-Islam's refusal only increased her passion. They both raced to the door, and as Zulaikha reached out for Yusuf al-Islam, she tore his shirt from the back. Then, without warning, they found her husband at the door. This is written in Quran. Frantically, Zulaikha tried to clear herself of blame. What is the recompense of one who intended evil to your wife except that he be imprisoned or a painful punishment she demanded of her husband apparently lying and suggesting that yusuf al-islam be put in prison it was she who sought to seduce me yusuf al-islam boldly claimed his innocence the betrayed husband did not know whom to believe although zulekha was his wife he knew her state of mind at the same time yusuf al-islam's integrity and noble character were also known to him so which of these two was telling the truth Okay, so I will stop here for part one and I'll meet you back with part two. All right, bye.